Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, downloading, listening to the show. It's great to have you as my audience. As I'm sure you are becoming aware now, I sponsor my own show. So I am Sarah J. Naylor and you can find me at sarahjnaylor.com. I'm a coach. I'm a businesswoman, I'm a podcast host, a writer and an author, and you can find out so much more about me over at my website. I like to keep it short because I like to get on with my show. So over to my guest. So my name's Neil Lawrence. I'm a coach. I work particularly with those who kind of identify as outsiders. So I work with a lot of creatives and I'm, I, I kind of say I'm a coach's coach as well. So I work with a lot of coaches too. I am also a fiction writer. I've had, lucky enough to have had a couple of my short stories published into wonderful presses, one Arachne Press, the other one Incandescent. And I'm currently, as I have been for the last eight years, working on my novel, which has still got a long way to go. But I've got some amazing help for doing that. I'm a big mindfulness component person, but not in the tick boxy way. I'm sure we'll talk about that and i have a greyhound called albert <sighs> nice to meet you great thank you very much neil for introducing yourself to my oh i'm a songwriter as well songwriter and he's and he's nice drinking a hot cup of coffee and i've already finished mine so i don't have one i shall, I shall have to have one after we've finished recording <laughs> thank you Marvelous. You, see, you see the nasty drips on the, on the look at me look oh at, look at that. Dear. i don't know i don't know but yeah it's great I, I love talking to other coaches i mean i've got such a wide network of coaches myself and it's great because as you and I both know, I'm not one for being disrespectful to anybody particularly, but unfortunately, it has been a massive growth area. And a lot of the coaches out there aren't coaches as we know coaching to be. So the length and depth of study which we've undertaken ourselves to become a coach. Because, and I, well, I hear the stories of people getting into coaching arrangements with people going, they tell you to do this and they tell you to do that. And I've been told not to do it. I'm going... But no, one of the fundamentals of coaching is ask, not tell. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like, no. And it's just, it's awful because it, it sort of paints pictures. And as we both know, when you work with a good coach, they can help you achieve so much change within your life. And it's just, well, I mean, even my coaching clients that I've had in the past have gone on and qualified as coaches themselves because it is such an incredible journey in itself to become a coach when you do it properly because your study was quite a lot of study wasn't it Neil? I was in education for 25 years I was a well-being coordinator and a well-being teacher as well due to the state of the education sector uh, what I kind of call muck schooling I essentially was kind of bullied out of the profession and then silenced with an NDA which as you can hear I'm really taking seriously right now i'm also speaking out because i know there's a, there's a facebook group that is literally like bursting at the seams with people who've been in education and being severely kind of affected by it the combination of that and me and my partner were driving on the m4 while he was driving and we were in a, what should have been a fatal car crash i think the combination of those two things made me go uh, what am i doing the thing about being a teacher is you're supposed to have all the answers and be the, the fountain knowledge and represent this kind of community. And I wanted to work equally with people. So I decided to retrain and that's when I heard about coaching. I worked in a wonderful, wonderful provider, Catalyst 1-4, uh, with the guy who trained me who's now my, still my supervisor, Damien 1-4. They're just an amazing man and an amazing organisation. And yeah, it was, it was a year, it was a diploma, it was very rigorous. I belong to the European Mentoring and Coaching Council 
and they are incredibly rigorous in terms of what they expect coaches to be held responsible to and like you I feel that is absolutely vital and really my job as I see it is to ask the right questions and hold the space the people who come to me they're all incredibly talented motivated creative and passionate people who often just have lost how the key to unlocking that box my job is to just to help then find that and find their own voice and find a sense of themselves and get stuff finished that they've been sitting on for ages. So. Yeah, but that's it, isn't it, Neil? It is, it's creating that safe space, that non-judgmental, that space where people can empty the head, speak whatever it is that's in there without judgment, without fear of being sort of told this and told that. Because with the best will in the world, you know, obviously when you're talking to friends, family or what have you, work colleagues, they've all got an opinion. <laughs> Right, well, you should do this and you should do that. But actually, you know, you know, fundamentally, you know what it is that you want to do. But you need to voice it. You need to get it out. You need to explore it and turn it around and look at it. And then with the help of a good qualified coach that can help facilitate that and guide it, you can really sort of uncover it. I mean, you might get aha moments instantly. It might take several sessions. Equally so, as you start to open it out, it's beautiful because there's this like whole tapestry of stuff that then starts to fall into place. And, you know, and it, but, you know, at the end of the day, life's a journey. But, it, you know, when you work with somebody, funnily enough, I've just written a blog post and you'll, you'll like this, Nick, because I was talking to somebody, it might have been yourself last week, I can't remember, about the dash, the, the, the poem, the dash. Well, it's about, I've written it in a blog and it will go out on my website this week. When this goes out, it'll have been out ages. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's about the tombstone and the date you were born and the date you died. And actually, people talk about that, but it's what happened and it's what happened in the dash. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, and that's it because, you know, you could sit there watching soaps forever and a day. But, you know, I, as we're recording this, I've been out for a run this morning. It's a beautiful, frosty morning. I've been out with my partner. And it's just like it's feeling alive. But, you know, when you're helping people on a coaching platform, you can help them feel alive in whatever way it is that they want to feel alive. And I'm sure you do as well. But I love to inject energy and passion and really see people fire up. And I like to see them go out from my sessions with a spring in their step. Yeah, that's right. No, that, that's absolutely right. And I think, I think for me, the mindfulness framing bit's really important. So there's two kind of basics that particularly Tibetan Buddhism kind of talks about. One is that life is uncertain, and the other is we're not going to be here forever. And particularly with society in the state years at the moment, both those things sound like, oh my gosh. But actually what it's saying is that if we can kind of just make peace with a bit of that, then it's like... Well, actually, if I know I'm not going to be here forever, and I know I'm post-COVID, all of us should know. Well, it's not post-COVID. Continuing COVID, we should be able to know by now that life is not certain. That actually, then that's cool. We don't need to keep fighting so hard to try and make things solid. Just, this is where we are. This is who we are. You know, what do I want to do? What difference can I make to other people? And and stroke your dog. We aren't linear. I mean, I, I know some people think linearly, but effectively, you know, we are we are humans having a. I think we're we're spirit having a human experience, but we are who we are. We inhabit the body. Whatever the outer casing looks like is re- regardless. It's about who we are. What's the centre of us? The core of us. And it's about being kind to each other because we're all part, we're all atoms just vibrating at a certain frequency to make the the, the the whole. So actually, we're all part of one and the same thing. So well, hey, you need to be kind to yourself but actually also be kind to other people and go with that flow. It's not about these algorithms. Oh, you must do this. You must do that. No, feel it, sense it, understand it, 
roll with that flow and just fit into that energy of what feels right for you i was having a conversation with someone you know what what you know what is successful well, success is living your life in a way that you enjoy it it's not about the amount of pots of gold you've got stuffed in the back cupboard yeah no i, I think that's absolutely true and the pressure that, I, I mean I, I was talking to you about this last week wasn't i but like so my new year's resolutions are be less do less and plan less because I think we get so caught up in what we need to do to improve it. That word is sends a shiver down my spine. We're good enough. We don't need to improve. And that doesn't mean, you know, we sit on our backsides and do nothing. Far from it. Evolving and kind of working through our journey is really important. But actually, we don't need to put so much pressure on ourselves that we're constantly feeling like we're imposters. And as you and I know... And, and there's, thou- you know, there's thousands of articles out there, so it's all over the media. A lot of us are walking around at the moment feeling like we're not quite cutting it somehow, and that can't be right. That's at the, yeah, like, like you're saying, I think that's at the core of what I believe and what I hopefully I bring to other people, whether it's in my writing or, you know, or, 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 it's, in, or it's in the conversation, the coaching conversation. It's so. having that strength to just be clear about who you are and what you want and and actually saying no when enough is enough just just in the um, New Zealand prime minister has just said you know what I've no more fuel in my tank I haven't got enough in my tank to keep going I'm, I'm resigned and I'm thinking do you know what good for you because so many people don't and they get to that horrific point of burnout and you know you, and that's what happens you know a bit like you were saying with your school and the car sometimes big stuff ends up happening to go enough I mean I had the same just before Christmas and I had to draw the line underneath stuff and I suddenly found myself this year I was due to be on a, a webinar to our webinar it's, it's, it sounded great and I will join them but I thought no I'm not prepared enough to go and join this to, to present myself in the right way And actually, my yoga class will be far better for me. And I said, do you know what? No. And I'd been working. I'd had a long day. And I just thought, no, enough. I I can do without two hours sitting on a webinar with, I don't know, perhaps 30, 40, 50 people. You know, you've just got to have that strength. to. And that's the beauty of being a coach and having gone through that training. You you self-manage yourself. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, I arrived on that coaching course with literally nothing. I was no one. It felt like that. I was a shell. The process of learning coaching and admittedly using huge amounts of skills that I've been using, you know, doing the one-to-one work and and, and group work in education the 25 years before. Particularly, I've got um, a psychotherapy master's, which which although I've never trained to be a counsellor, I'm, I'm not and I don't want to be. But just that training allows me to work with a lot more flexibility. But all of that just kind of help to rebuild me and really help me feel a sense of who who I really am and what I've been trying so hard to be which wasn't who I was so the big thing I left with from from that whole experience was uh, being diagnosed with PTSD which is interesting I also am living with fibromyalgia so these are not insignificant things with the right support and the right help they don't stop you from moving forward and and there are like you say, once you've hit the skids really hard, the thing is from then on knowing that you're never going to hit the skids like that again. And that's also, I know that's what both of us do when we're coaching people who are kind of experiencing burnout. The key is never to burn out again. So it's it's how to be able to read the signs and see where you are but do you know what it doesn't make you infallible and i'll put my hands up and i will say this you know since qualifying as a coach and my my current mindset my, my mindset for life generally is is one of very positive is very positive and i you know i'm a, I'm a very much of a glass half full person and you know i'll always look for things in the positive and the learning and everything but 
I got caught up in very much in the last 18 months with sort of all of this investment in myself, which was great. And I've met and done some incredible stuff. But I suddenly went, holy moly, you know, suddenly I was just having, I thought, this isn't me. This isn't me. I know, you know, with all the knowledge I've got. So, you know, it doesn't make you infallible, but it does make you. And thank God I've got some incredible people around me that I was had some, I had, fortunately had conversations lined up with. And I didn't, I hadn't arranged them specifically because I was having a meltdown. Holy moly. And I just thought, do you know what? And you get to the point of just uh, a surrender. I cannot do anymore. All the stuff I've been pushing to try and make happen isn't happening. Let it go. I can't do anything else. Shoot me, take me to court, do whatever. I can't, I cannot do any more than I've been doing. And then, then it all starts to fall into place again. But And if it's okay for me to kind of reflect back to you, I've just realised both of us have uh, fallen into a coaching conversation here. What I think I'm hearing from that, and tell me if I'm wrong, is um, it, it's what I was talking about with the uncertainty piece before, that we're so desperate as a society, I think more so since COVID began, to try and control the world around us. And you can't control the uncontrollable. You can make plans and be around the right people so that things are more likely to happen. We never quite know how they're going to fall out. But in general terms, if we kind of stand back a bit, all this micromanaging and and tick boxes and we overuse our left brain. And if we don't, you know, the left brain is where all the data storage stuff is really necessary, particularly for someone who's neurodivergent like me and so right brain that if I hadn't learned how to use some of my left brain stuff, I'd just spend my life wandering streets going, where am I going now? What am I doing? <laughs> Be interesting so, though, Neil. <laughs> I have, and I have done it. You know, occasionally... No, 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 it's like you're saying, occasionally I'll go, you know what, I'm just going to have a discalculate day today. I'm going to let my brain take me where it wants to go. And I usually end up um, in the fridge eating a sausage roll. Don't know why that is. A nomadic existence, yes. Yeah, no, my favourite, actually, my favourite discalculate story is... I was really tired, it was a Friday night. Again, the fridge, open the fridge. There was orange juice there picked up the orange juice, noticed that the top was half off. So my brain went, if you tip this up right now, it's going to go all over you. My brain focused on the words, tip it up. And I did. And I was I was just, I burst out laughing. I couldn't think of anything that typified the way my brain works more than that. And I also think it's it's good to be able to give in to those things as well. But just... Yes. And then laugh about it like you've done. And then be playful with it. I mean, you know, picking up on what you're, what you were talking about, it's the letting go of that pressure sometimes, and then just trusting the gut and go. You know what? I know I do have all this knowledge, like you say, but actually, why don't I just trust myself and the world around me and the world that I built for myself in the last eighteen months to do the work and just accept that it's not going to be tomorrow. So, exactly, exactly. And that's hard to do. That it, is hard to do. But It, it is yeah. hard. But that, and that was the thing, you know, that is that that had been my philosophy and it still is my philosophy. In December, it was really challenged because, I mean, I've always believed everything's working out wonderfully, doing everything for the greater good. And, and that has always been my philosophy. And I've always, as I say, seen the positives, but it was so... So challenging. I've been looking, I've been reading and the quantum realm and working within that and, you know, just moving up into that sort of energy. But even that was, I was just like, this, because there was so much outside of my control that couldn't control. And like we say, you know, you do have to go with that flow of stuff. But there's certain things that then do impact you financially. <laughs> you have to stop and you have to go, hang on a minute, you know, because my partner's house 
I won't go into all the details of it, but it it it, had, it fell through sale wise again, and it should have been something that had gone through. It should have it should have sold in July 2020 when it went on the market. In fact, it should have sold in June 2020 because it went on the market in March and had 14 viewings. Anyway, it's sold again. It's going through now, but you know all of that. You know this all this sort of pressure. That's what I'm saying. You know it's still challenged, but I'm back into that zone of do you know what it's getting to that point of trust surrender let go you can't do anything and breathing into it and but equally so the language it just made me chuckle so I just want to go back to your talk of the orange juice <laughs> because you know we aren't our behavior but we it, we can be mindful of the words that we use because actually the brain doesn't recognize a negative and it will recognize this what you tell it to do and actually especially when I when I start to think and when I start to write Instead of going something along the lines of, well, I don't want to do this. It's like, actually, no, I've trained my brain to go, well, what do you want to do instead? So let's rewrite that and go, okay, I don't want to do this. Actually, I want to do that. So it's that whole reframe. The power of the reframe is just life-changing. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree. I think the other thing I'm aware of is kind of the world we're surrounded by. And my feeling is that people are very nervous. A lot of people are very nervous about what's going to happen for them completely understandably me too but also a little bit distrustful of other people about what happens if we connect with other people or commit to stuff so i think a lot of us are experiencing on a day-to-day basis things that we would have taken for granted like i don't know well doctor's appointments let's yeah let's not go there anybody working in the nhs i just i just want to just want to hug them um, yeah well my partner does they, 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 might, they might not want that having said that you know, i'm sure gareth but, will say yes he'll have a hug <laughs> But, you know, things like social engagements being broken or redone, certainly for us as coaches, I know I've had conversations with other coaches about the frequency of people needing to rebook because meetings come up or they get overwhelmed by stuff that's going on for them. And just this general thing of, I mean, there's a whole thing in the news at the moment, isn't there, about buying houses and about the difficulty. And again, it's about the commitment thing and following through. So I think there is a real, real problem with us connecting with each other as a society at the moment. And as I say, I think that's got worse since we've all experienced what we've experienced the last couple of years. And it is a reframe. It's almost like maybe we need to do the opposite of what we feel is going on around us. And rather than being reactive and going, this is my tribe, I'm here and you're there. And why haven't you done that? You know, it can be, well, why are you there? What do I need to hear? What do I need to listen? How do we make something happen? Because presumably the people that are buying the houses also want to buy the houses off people who are selling them. And just like, you know. Oh, I mean, we, we could open a whole can of worms there because, I mean, I've, we've, I've experienced that with, with Gareth and, say, my house on the market. I've got another house on the market. He's got his... And it's just the experience that we've had of all of that market over the last nine months has been... Well, it's a it's a whole story in itself. I could need more than the podcast to talk about it. But suffice to say, to intertwining that with my understanding of the recruitment sector and all the things that have gone on, I mean, this is where I was challenged within my recruitment business last year because suddenly that you know things had started to move post COVID. But what had happened during COVID were you'd got the mass resignation, people changing careers. Obviously, people had been furloughed. People decided they weren't going to go back. The tails starting to wag the dog a bit, and I want this, and I want that a business is either had adapted but you know I've spoken to candidates they'd started with businesses when they were fully employed in an office during Covid they then had this pleasure of working from home and then that well I don't want to be back in the office well you were actually employed in the office in the first place and you know this business has you know that you can still work for, well I want to work from home 100% of the time and I won't let me and no but that's that's exactly what I mean both those examples I think are really beautiful examples and I you know I I see examples of just that I'm in a corner and I'm not going to move from you know 
the business coaching work I do sometimes too. And I think the whole concept of working together somewhere, I'm not sure we've ever been great at it in the UK, to be honest. I certainly think at the moment it's very, very difficult. So the, the key piece for me is compassion. It's not beating ourselves up and going, I'm not working enough or I'm not working hard enough or I should have I should have spotted what's going on with this house chain earlier and I, sh- I should have spent more time. It's actually kind of recognising where the limitations are and, and what, what we have to give and potentially what we need to learn. But even that's not a judgment, that's just about growth. And then realising in other people that they're really struggling too. We often see an enemy in front of us when... When actually we're just all trying to get on and live our lives in very challenging conditions. AI businesses are short-staffed because they haven't got the staff and the ones that they have got aren't experienced because so many of the experienced ones, yeah, look at you and myself. I mean, I, okay, I, I left being employed in 2009, so I've been self-employed and working from home and running businesses for a long time now. But there is a raft. I mean, I've got a, such a wide network of people that are self-employed or have run, are running small business because people didn't want that hand tie of the, the working within corporate but you know it is about compassion like you said but equally so I think we can choose our arguments at the same time it's not about finding an argument at, at every juncture you've still got to have you know stand your ground to a degree but like you were going back to the appointments that are sort of cancelled and I mean I, I learned that lesson back in 2005 when I left my ex-husband and ended up back in my parents living my sharing my old bedroom with my six-year-old son having no social network whatsoever of my own that I had to start I was going to I was going out with my parents <laughs> at 39 I was going out with my parents and gradually I started to build up a network of friends but then you know if you were let down you know I, I was suddenly like oh so I've got Friday night on the sofa at my parents. Oh, that's exciting. But I just had to learn, and this is before I qualified as a coach, to adapt and go, okay, well, that's not happened. How can I use this time? What can I do within this section of time that has now become available that I wouldn't have been able to use if I'd been... So what can I do? Can I write a book? Can I do this? Can I watch... I don't know, whatever. So looking at that positive, you know, that somebody's let you down. And likewise, you know, with coaching clients that then don't make the appointments, that energy wasn't right for that time. I mean, I've had people chop and change appointments so many times, and but it's not for me to go, no, because it's the client's got to self-govern. Again, it comes back to that, you know, ask, not tell. I love that. And I mean, my experience is there are some that aren't ready and that's what is what it's about. But for lots of them, it's that moment is so difficult and actually offering different kinds of ways of coaching. So it might be a short conversation or them saying, just please give me three weeks. And, you know, just just like you say, kind of staying with them and helping them really makes a difference. So, no, I, I really, really, I really, really hear that. Would you like to explain? I was going to ask you this at the beginning, um, but we've not really touched upon it. Can you, can you sort of explain to the benefit of my, my gorgeous audience, dyscalcular neurodiversity and, you know, all, all the, the disses and things and what have you? <laughs> kind of, although, you know, I, I do this with a huge caveat that I'm just one person describing it and I'm not a scientist. I've worked over the years with um, a selection of autistic and kind of people living with ADHD, particularly those who are dyslexic and dyscalculic as well. So those kind of the areas that I've I've got more experience in. I kind of think of it... Uh, and, and more recently I've, I've done some training I've trained some coaches with with the help of uh, an incredible uh, coach as well we did we did some work together recently um, and I'm writing an article at the moment with the, the wonderful Kate Jenkinson about kind of neurodiversity or not neurodivergence and language is important but I also think for me we can get caught up in that too much for me it's about brain wiring 
It's about how neurons fire along a route. Unsurprisingly, although there might be a so-called typical version of that, there's also lots of variations. So my brain is a variant. What that means, I'm, I'm less interested in that than I was. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I, I did a test for, for dyslexia when I was uh, 40 and then found out it was the maths version of dyslexia dyscalculia. But essentially, with, and, and all these kind of so-called conditions have kind of ways that lots of people respond, but then there's also, it's individual as well. So my personal experience is I can think of about five things at any one time. Makes switching off difficult, but it's also, I, I love it. So I can be working on any any five things at any one time or um, thinking about when the, when the dinner needs to go on. So it I'm means sure I need to do a test now. <laughs> I am saying nothing. So <laughs> that's the real plus, And I've learned, particularly with my working life post-education, to kind of really dig into that strength. And it does. It makes me feel really satisfied. I think when we're working in the way that plays to the way our brain naturally works, then that really, really helps. I think that's perfect. I just I want to encapsulate that because that is just perfect because it is. What one person thinks that you should be doing isn't. You need to know what is right for you and what works for your brain because we're not, we're all different. And that's the beauty of it. We are individuals. Absolutely. And I think that corporate experience that you were talking about before, well, interestingly, here's a slightly different slant on that because in public sector, in muck schools particularly, but also in local authority schools, the lie that I got told that almost got me kept, I'm not trying to be too x-files about this but you know kept kept me in place was that a business treat you worse as an as an employee than for, uh, your experience with working for a business will be worse than um your rights as a as a public sector um person now i mean you know although it's really hushed up what happens to people in the public sector anyone who knows anyone will know that toxicity is fairly ordinary within a lot of education and other public sector places lack of funding leads to overdependence on hierarchy bullying particularly in education is so uh, ingrained that nobody even knows it's happening and this is right from the top down and then loads of us are walking around with these ndas that you know so going into coaching, and it was a bit, you know, there's a lot of business style coaching ideas on that course that I went into. I immediately started doing my public sector bristle. It was like, Ew. it turns out that that was a complete lie, what I've been told. And actually all the work around ethical and moral, and even as you were talking about, kind of spiritual for some organisations that want to really help their workforce thrive and work on their own terms. All of that is coming from the corporate sector certainly isn't happening from the public sector there might there might be a wish for it to but you know there's so many kind of brick walls there i mean this is just my opinion no no well i mean having worked for 35 years in recruitment neil you know it's i feel very much because of my position running my recruitment business having worked i feel like i'm at the cold face if you like of, of sort of the, what's going on that landscape in terms of you know employment and you know okay I'm no you know I've done, I say I'm no expert I mean what is the word expert do you know what I mean it's just the one person in a room that knows more than the other eleven or something like that Appar- apparently and you know I mean you know you know my thoughts of that with coaching anyone who says I'm an expert it's like well what do you think of the person you're coaching then if you think you're the expert it's got to be you know it's about equality isn't it Ab- it's about absolutely really absolutely but my he my says under- flashing his story. <laughs> 
but my my understanding, you know, my understanding is just just to the sectors I've worked in, and sort of that viewpoint, I guess, that just people don't see because I'm there, sort of seeing what's happening and listening to stories, you know, and you know, you get a feel for which companies are turning over staff or which companies are investing in the staff. And in fact, I was only having a conversation with someone yesterday, you know, about really how the business that she's working in at the moment is led by people well they're just led by the money and it's just there is what they're purporting to want to employ in terms of staff and deliver the, the values and stuff like that is it doesn't it doesn't tally up. It's a very incongruent because they really don't give a monkeys. Whereas, you know, somebody she'd worked for previously ended up with a bit of a reputation, but it was an owner-managed business. You know, he invested in his staff. You know, he'd go to the staff weddings and things like that and he, he paid them higher rates than, than were general in, in, and in sort of in the location. And, you know, unfortunately, that whole business, it faltered because I think he made some bad decisions along the way. But... It had been like a think about a fifty million turnover business. There was a very the big big difference in, and, and I think you've got to have people who who are passionate about what they do. But unfortunately, within within um, commerce, corporate, call it, you know, industry, whatever you want to call it, unfortunately, it's not always it's, it's it's what the shareholders can get out of it. And I hear all too often, you know, or I can see it that the, the people at the top are sort of taking all this money off and not and keeping the staff at the bottom on such low wages so that they can end up sort of buying 250 pound meter wallpaper whatever it is you know and i get really cross about that yeah there's a couple of things for me on that i mean the first is kind of like coming you know having said everything i've been saying about public sector and third sector even i want to be proved wrong i'd you know i want people to be texting me and writing to me go neil you're full of whatever you know i work for this hospital i work for this school i work for this charity they are wonderful blah 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 blah, blah. you know so this is something this is something I really want to be called out on. So there are people out there that can re-inspire me, that's great. Um but but also I I think the thing for me is that word bottom line. If I hear that word bottom line, I'm already going, Oh, what's that for? We've got all the language in place as a society and and in business as well about equality. And and it's all shop front, you know. So we've got the policy, it's on the website, and you're right. The actual so for example, taking neurodivergence. This is something that me and Kate have been thinking about recently. Like, so they might have the policy, or actually they might not, they might just mention it within their equalities policy, but in reality, when there's been a, a, a equality and diversity team, who's doing the talking? Is it people that aren't outsiders, that are talking for outsiders, and having spoken to outsiders make the decisions for outsiders? Because if they are, then it's still privileged people making the decisions for the people that have no voice. I do think that's that's kind of where we are at the moment. I don't want someone to talk for me, thank you very much. If I want to talk about the fact that I'm Jewish, gay, scouse, does that count? Um... <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Disabled, discalculic, live an unconventional lifestyle, a writer, creative. If I want someone to talk about that stuff, and I'm sure I've missed something. Um, oh, P- you know, you know, living with PTSD and fibromyalgia. If I want to talk about that stuff, I don't need someone else to do it. I've got a gob. That's a scouse bit. I'd like to be heard. Thank you very much. And that's not going to be me going. I'm speaking for everyone with fibromyalgia. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I want. I want to hear other people's experiences of it and maybe relate their stories with their permission, or even better, join together as a community. But again, to be part of a wider community, not to be a tribe that's going, you lot have let us down. You yes. Know. Oh, well, yeah, we've had this conversation before. It's all about communication. And, I, I, and I'm, ca- I'm careful about saying that because there are instances where hundreds of years, at least, of, of trauma that's been caused to a group of people. I'm not, I'm not 
uh, I, I'm in no way being disrespectful to that. Realistically, unless we stop pointing fingers and start finding a way to be talking to each other, I can't see how this kind of fractured and tribal UK starts to build a sense for each other and build a community. Well, I think it's about communication, collaboration, compassion. It's all the C's, isn't it? But equally so, you know, it's understanding that all that stuff has gone in the past, but it's learning from it, being very present and planning where we want to go ahead. And it's that pulling together of that knowledge. It's it's not about falling out with each other and, and find and this is my big thing about reli- you know religion as a whole, that it's it's the biggest thing of wars, damage and stuff like that. I mean, I just, if people just connected sort of spiritually, but then there is another thing. (laughs) This is going a bit deep and we're running, we're nearly out of time, Neil. Oh my gosh. But, you know, you can look at all of this, that all of the people that have done unproported, you know, the perpetrators of all of this stuff have done so, have chosen the lifetime to come into, to do all of this, to raise people's awareness, for people to learn. So they've chosen to be this figure that, and that's, it's a hard one to digest. When I first understood it and had that sort of that thought process shared with me on a spiritual level and it was like a bitter pill to kind of swallow and understand but actually when you start to go into it far deeper you understand because we are spirit having a human experience that are all these things that have to happen for us to learn and all the stuff that life throws at us it's about that learning to share and to evolve and to become more aware of it just goes on it goes on and on, you know, we just, it's that sort of level of understanding and awareness and sort of helping people up, but you can't, once you've gone up, you can't go back down. You need to be able to help people up, but you can only help the people up that want to be helped up when the energy is right and when people are right. And it's not about frog marching somebody into a coaching session and going, look, I know you need this because your your life's going to be whatever in six months time if you don't work with me. No, here I am, this is what I can do for you. And likewise with you, we're both on the same hymn sheet, if you want to use a hymn sheet as an example. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. I, I think that's really true. And certainly my experience, particularly with working with young people, is that you, you need to hold the space, you know, to go, if you're ready, when you're ready, I'm going to be here. And if I feel like the right person for you to be working with, come and find me, you know, because I will move heaven and earth to make sure that I can find the space for you because this conversation matters and you matter and and your progress matters. And I think, don't like that word, your journey matters, you know. And I do, and I do think, you know, for the work we do, the thing never to forget is that I just feel, you know, I feel so privileged being able to share in other people's journeys. And I know that sounds like one of those LinkedIn posts that you see all the time that then uh, you know start being quite cynical and going are you anxious come to me (laughs) no i'm I'm not go away what you've just said though is 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 a kind of quite a nice way to finish because it's how i felt many 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 years ago in recruitment in recognizing that that the the part i'm playing in somebody's life so you have to be very mindful that you are playing a role in somebody's life and you have to take care with that it's not about shoehorning them into a job that they don't want it's not about bullying them into doing some coaching sessions and telling them that you can change their life because they're going to if, if they do what you tell them to do it's holding that space when they're ready and when they're ready for change you're there to support them and guide them on their journey i love that and my you know my favorite thing of all is if i'm doing a traditional coaching gig so you know six sessions and we've come to session five, so it's the one before a review. And we're doing some pre-planning for the review with the person I'm working with. And we're both going, and that person's going, I think I might need some more coaching. 
and I'm going, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, yeah, I still think there's work I can do with you. Obviously, if I don't, I say no, nicely. But then getting to the actual review itself and then getting halfway through and seeing that person turn around and go, actually, I think I'm more than okay. I think, I think I've got this. That's such a beautiful moment when, when somebody just realises they've got the skills they've internalized it and that's our job as coaches is to do ourselves out of a job that's the whole point well yeah absolutely absolutely not, not, much... not, not very cost efficient but <laughs> no, you know that's it. no but when you work with that mentality neil you know you have you have clients come back to you i mean i had a yeah, conversation um only a few days ago with a returning coaching client who I originally worked with when she was finishing her degree, wanting to get some an internship. And so we worked with her then. Then she came back to me four years ago and we worked on a CV and she's coming back to me now for work. Again, combined sort of career and personal relationship stuff. And she's going, she wants to come and do sort of three months, three months sort of span. My three month programme sort of spans... I, I, I ease it out. It's not, it's got to be within those three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually yeah, yeah. Over, over that period of yeah. time. We will wrap it up there. Thank you so, so much, Neil. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm glad we've actually captured a conversation on a podcast to share with the world. Well, hey, so how do people get in touch with you? So if people want to get in touch with me, uh, my website is lifecoach-london.com. My email is neil at lifecoach dash london.com and i'm very active on linkedin so you know please look me up um i, I, I think my, my my tagline it's a black and white photo my tagline is outsiders helping outsiders and creatives and coaches um and ring my bell yes so that's neil lawrence ring his bell and that might even break me into song you could ring my bell no we will leave it at that <laughs> Thank you again, Neil, so much. And thank you all for listening. It's absolutely wonderful knowing you're all out there downloading and listening. So if you haven't already, please do subscribe, download or do whatever it is you do on your platform to make sure that you get uh, my twice weekly podcast being one, a guest episode on a Tuesday and the happy clappy on a Friday. Thank you again. Love to you all globally. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm over at sarahjnaylor.com. So thank you very much. This is me, Sarah J. Naylor at Harnessing Happiness, signing out. And until next time, lots of love to you all. Take care. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast podcast with Sarah J Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.